This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Dunks and Discourse, or the Meta World Peace Edition. I'm Jabari Davis, and today we'll actually have super producer Varun Shankur, and if I said that wrong right off the bat, <laughs> that's on me. But he's going to be stepping in for Josh. Josh will be back this weekend. Uh, but today, Varun and I will be uh, getting into, well, we got a few different things. we got Giannis's head button, whether you know Varun thinks that the punishment fits the crime. Uh, we're definitely going to you know, start off with Dame, and he's basically, there's no other way to say it other than blazing hot, and I know that's you know corny, but it's the truth. He's like, <laughs> right now... He's the guy, quite frankly, that I would not want to see, no matter you know, no matter what the team is, uh, you know, going up against him. But you know, we'll discuss Dame uh, in some Western Conference eight seed and playing scenarios, and we'll also get into some Laker talk uh, as you know related to the potential matchups. Uh, before we wrap things up by uh, discussing the top five characters from The Wire, and I'm definitely excited about that. I'm not gonna lie to you; it was probably it was the most fun list that I put together, but also the most difficult list because you know I've got about ten or fifteen characters to talk about. Uh, but before we kick things off and I bring Varun in, uh, do us a favor of liking, rating, and subscribing on uh, to the show wherever you listen to it. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. It always helps. And of course, keep the feedback coming. Uh, dunk, dunks discourse on Twitter or Jabari Davis NBA or Josh Eberly or Varun Shakur if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Shankur if I'm not mistaken. Varun, how you doing? Bye, Varun Shankar. That is. There we are. There we are. What's up, everybody? Nice to be here. Always nice to be filling in. Spot starter, yeah. Absolutely. Call me the Alex Caruso of Dunks and Discourse. Hey, you know what? You can be the Alex Caruso of Dunks and Discourse. <laughs> I've got all, t- you know I've got love for Alex Caruso. Oh, man, all of Lake- all Lakers fans do. <laughs> Feels like half my, Every- anytime he does anything, my entire timeline is just Grant Goldberg, you, Anthony Irwin, Harrison <laughs> Fig, and everyone all at the same time. Caruso! And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't blame you. You know, if I yeah. had a player like that, I'd like that too. <laughs> I'm going to keep it 100% real with you. Yes, we're celebrating him, but admittedly, we're trolling everybody that gets mad about it. Because it's funny. It's, oh it's my the, god, it's like, hilarious. Everybody gets so upset, like, oh my god, it's just this. It's like, yeah, we recognize that. I'm nobody's saying <laughs> he's a second coming of Magic Johnson. It's just fun. There's probably like... 15% too much media coverage of him, but like I think that's something you get with every LA superstar, any every LA player. Sorry, yeah, like Kuzma I'm, gets overrated a little bit. I mean, back in the Kobe days, I'm guessing like Ron Artest probably got Meta World Peace probably got overrated a little bit, you know. It, it's just it, you're, you're exactly right. It's always going to be the case. The Lakers, regardless of whether you know speaking generally, you like them or not, they're the, they're the league's you know glamour franchise, or you know, or certainly one of them. They are the one, um, and, and the one. that's always going to be the case. It just, it just is. 
But anyhow, let's uh, before we get into you know talking about a little bit of Lakers stuff, let's actually start off out west, and I want to talk about Dame, man, because the, the reality is basically after the the Clippers pissed him off, uh, you, know, <laughs> it, you know, if you want to say he choked down the stretch, he did. You know, he didn't come up. He didn't. It, it wasn't Dame time down the stretch of that game. After they made him mad, he has games of 61, 51, and forty five, all within his last four outings. I know the Suns are hot, and I would actually love to see Book in the playoffs. I'm not gonna lie. Same deal for Ja, uh, even though the Grizzlies are injured. Uh, it, would, it would be a fantastic experience for them to get. Uh, just the same, the best player in the mix, as you know, at least in my opinion, uh, for all three opponents is Dame. Um, and that's the matchup I want to see. What about you? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't lie. Portland is incredibly fun. And Dame represents something that we don't have in the NBA that much. A star that has been with one team his entire career. Mm-hmm. And... It, I would love to see a guy like that get rewarded because I think we can kind of see the reading, the, the tea leaves, and understand that Dame's probably never going to win a title, at least not in Portland, just because of the way the team is made up and mm-hmm. the way the West is. But at the same time, it would be incredibly fun for him to just be willing this team into the playoffs against a really good Lakers team. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I want to see it, and, and we won't get ahead of ourselves. Let me give the scenarios because you pretty much have a log jam there. For Portland to make it in, uh, and, and this is according to ESPN.com, for Portland to get the number eight seed, uh, they get it with a win or losses by Memphis, Phoenix, and San Antonio. In order to get the ninth seed, it's uh, combined two losses from Phoenix, San Antonio, or Memphis. So basically, Portland's going to be in you know, going to be in that playing situation this weekend. For Memphis to get in, for Memphis to get that number eight seed, they need to, uh, they need to win and they need Portland to lose. For Memphis to get the nine seed, they need a win or losses by Phoenix and San Antonio. For Phoenix to get in, they uh, to, excuse me to get the eight seed, they need a win combined with a loss for Memphis and a loss for Portland. To get the ninth seed for Phoenix, they need a win combined with a Memphis loss or a Portland loss. Now, the one team that we haven't discussed is the San Antonio Spurs. And you know what? I'm going to be that guy. It's because I don't want to see them in because I'm (laughs) not interested in that. But for the record, for them to get the eighth seed, they need a win uh, combined with a Memphis loss, a Phoenix loss, and a Portland loss. For them to get the ninth seed, they need a win combined with... Two losses from either Phoenix, Portland, or Memphis. What's your gut tell you? I know what we want to take place, but what's your gut tell you is going to take place? You're who, going to who see, are we going to see on Saturday playing? You're going to see Portland and Phoenix in that play-in, and mm. I think you're going to see Portland win it. Not super easily, but and it's it, it's going to take them. I don't think it will come down to the third game. You know, I'm, I, as funny as it sounds, the second most hot player right now is probably Booker. And I, you know, I, I really do hope we get that. And you know what? No disrespect to, uh, you know, to the Grizzlies and their fans. And shout out to Sharon Brown, you know, who, who joined us last uh, on the last episode. Yeah, look, if 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 Jaron were there and everybody were, you know, were available, I, I I would be pulling for you a little bit more. But nobody wants to see that outside of Memphis. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but the situation with Booker, man, like I want to see how Portland handles him. I want mm-hmm. to see if I want to you look. Know, you know, Phoenix is undefeated. 
Remember a couple years back, and it's funny because we we discussed baseball a little bit in the pre in the pre show. Remember a couple years back when the Rockies out of nowhere got hot down the stretch and made it. I think they made it all the way to the World Series. Now they ultimately lost. So wherever they made it to, they ultimately lost. But they got super hot and you know at, at the right time at the perfect situation. Do you remember that that scenario? I think I remember seeing like a five years ago this happened tweet about it. <laughs> I, I sometimes forget if five years ago for you was when you were 13. Five years ago for me was just like last year. Okay, Shoot, I don't think I was on Twitter five years ago. Okay, so that took place. My reason for bringing that up is I don't want to count out the Suns specifically because there's a look, they're the hottest team that's out there. They're undefeated in the bubble. I, I, I my gut tells me, or do I, I would love to see Portland get in, but I'm just all I'm saying is we can't necessarily just say, oh, okay, Portland will get them. No, you definitely can. But the and what if I'm a Portland fan, what I'm worried about is I don't really see someone who can guard Booker on the roster, right? Just like a body that you could throw at him. The same way that they talked about, even though he couldn't guard him, they said Jay Crowder's a body you can throw at LeBron. You want a body to throw at him, and I don't see that body. I mean, Gary Trent's a little bit undersized. You don't want either of Lillard or McCollum out there, right? And well, you don't want especially with McCollum's back. Like I don't. Know yeah, if you saw he has a fractured back. Yeah, he's got this a fracture is- in his a fractured bone in his back. For one, I respect the hell out of him. But yo, take a seat, man. <laughs> but you can't. That's the thing. I mean, if he takes a seat, they're not winning. It's, it's incredible. Of so for the play-in, if I'm not mistaken, if you're the higher seed, you just have to win one out of two games, correct? I believe so. Yes, and if and you're the so, seed, you got to win. You have to win two in two a row. Of the three, yeah, two in a row. Okay, so would there is there a possibility for there to be a third game? No, right? It would just be two games max. Uh, you know what? Yes, it's just two games. Okay, yeah, because no, because I, I always I, for some reason I kept thinking of as a best of three, and then I was like, wait a second, I don't think I that's did. It. I did as well. I was mistakenly saying that, in fact. But yeah, no. I, like, can Gary Trent really guard Devin Booker? I don't really think so. But at the same time. I don't really think Ricky Rubio is going to be able to stay in front of Dame, and I don't want to bet against Dame. There's some guys yeah. I just never want to bet against. If it's the playoffs <laughs> and it's football, I don't want to bet against Tom Brady or Drew Brees. At least maybe them of like three years ago. Mm-hmm. If it's yeah. the bas- if it's basketball, I don't want to bet against Steph Curry. I don't want to bet against Dame Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, or LeBron. Those are my four names. There's probably one more that I'm forgetting and that people are going to get mad at me about, but That's those are my big four right now. And yeah. I don't I don't want to go against Dame, especially right now when he's had 61 and 51. He was 9 of 17 on three-pointers in the last <laughs> game against Dallas. Yeah, D- Dame is ridiculous right now. And, and look, for these Lakers fans out here, and we're going to get to them right now, that are saying things like, oh, it doesn't matter. It, look, the worst, ma- the worst opening <laughs> matchup right now is probably going to be the Blazers. And it isn't because the Lakers can't beat them. It's because you, it, you know, like when it comes to a deep run, it's usually death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, 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 you want the path of least resistance. And I'm not saying that the grit, I'm not saying, you know, there's no disrespect to the Grizzlies, no disrespect to any of the other, you know, potential, you know, teams out there. But let's just say Portland, that ain't it. That's not the path of least resistance. So like, let's take it to that. If you're the Lakers, who do you want to see? If you're the Lakers, you want to see Memphis because they're beat up, and yep. right now, Ja can't carry the entire team on his back. That's not a diss at Ja. He's a rookie. No. A rookie point guard's not expected to do really anything, right? And he's been exceptional. At the same time, if you're the Lakers, you want a 4-0 sweep where LeBron plays like 25 to 30 minutes a night mm-hmm. max, right? You want him to get, get that. I, I think he has a groin injury still, and it's been bugging him a little bit because he doesn't look anywhere near as explosive as he normally does. You want him to be as ready as possible for a second-round series. Probably it looks like it's going to be against 
someone in the mix of Denver or uh, Dallas, I think is at seventh now, but Denver or you probably, the Rockets maybe, the Rockets, OKC. Yeah, it could be. But n- n- none of them will be easy. So to your point, you're exactly right. You don't want, basically Dame is the last guy you want in an opening round, even though I, I would confidently pick the Lakers. That's not, like I said, that's not the path that I would choose if I were there. I'd pick the Lakers too, and I'd probably pick the Lakers in six games or less. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if it goes six games, that's two more games than you want to play, right? Mm-hmm. You want to keep that load as less and less as possible, because the more you have to play, that's wear and tear, and that adds up. Yeah, it really does. Especially on an yeah. older team like the Lakers. Older team trying to flip the switch, trying to get it back going. You know, prior to the bubble actually starting, I was asked, you know, you know whether it was on this show or on shows that I was guest, you know, uh, doing a guest spot on, uh, which teams would have the advantage. And I went into it thinking, like, well, yeah, the veterans would have an advantage. You know, the veteran teams would have an advantage mm-hmm. specifically because you know they've been there, they've been through the fires, especially if they've been together for an extended period of time, whether it's you know a couple seasons or beyond, right? But looking at it recognizing that once again LeBron's 35 years old he's got all those miles on his body uh he's you know he at least reportedly is dealing with the you know the growing flaring up again I gotta say that maybe that's why a team like Phoenix came in because like maybe maybe they're just so young they don't know any better their bodies you know their bodies are you know completely healthy and 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 that's why they're a live bet anyway all of that to say yeah uh we we agree if you're the Lakers, you want to get in and get out of the get it, especially these early series. You want to get in and get out as, as quickly as possible. But let's go ahead and swing it to the East because yes, we had a wrestling move situation. <laughs> Giannis was suspended for headbutting Mo Wagner uh, the other the other night. Uh, he wound up getting one game, which I thought was relatively fair. But I saw some folks on NBA Twitter complaining about it and claiming he was let off easily. Uh, that he should have gotten something like four to five games for the act. Did you feel like they let him off with a lenient punishment given the act? No, it's a headbutt in a meaningless game. I mean, yep. if you're the NBA, it's you know what I mean? If this was Dante DiVincenzo, sure, maybe, right? But <laughs> there are different rules for stars. We've seen that throughout NBA history. You don't want to suspend Giannis. You give him a game, he headbutted a dude. But at the same time, the guy he headbutted isn't exactly the nicest guy in the world, right? Like, Mo, Wag- Mo Wagner is an antagonist. I'm a Wizards fan, man. <laughs> I watch Mo Wagner all year. I love the guy. He's an antagonist. He likes getting under your skin. Giannis mm-hmm. kind of got under. He he he. You know he got a little bit riled up there by uh, the Michigan Mo. <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest with you. Um, having come up watching folks literally get clotheslined out of the <laughs> air, folks punching each other directly in the face and ending up getting common fouls or sometimes technical fouls, stuff like that. Headbutt just isn't the end all for me, man. Like, was it dumb given the circumstances? Yeah. You know, you you can't let Mo Wagner get to you, and certainly not a couple games before the postseason, if you're Giannis. But let's not act like it's the most egregious act ever. That's that's all. That's all I got on. That. And I think that like the suspension they gave him sounds about right. You give him a flagrant two, he's ejected, so he misses that game, or at least like I think like half of that game, and then he misses one more game after that. I think that's about it. You know, a playoff suspending a guy for a playoff game is like almost like suspending a guy for two more games. That's not a three game mm-hmm. suspension right there. 
Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, exactly. You're exactly right. And and that's actually a great point to make and, and one that wasn't being made on the timeline when folks were saying, oh, it should have been four or five games. You, you have to take you, you have to take in consideration suspending for a playoff game is not the same as suspending, suspending an individual, especially of Giannis's, you know, level, uh, you know, for a regular season game or multiple regular season games. All right. You know what? I discussed this with Jameson and, and Ty and, you know, shout out to Danny and Sharon as well, once again, on last episode. But I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on Milwaukee's greatest threats in the Eastern Conference? Uh, it, I don't want to say Boston, right? I, 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 <laughs> That's the first team I have here. But I, and, and, and the note that I have, are you with Josh and the Celtics? Or do you, or do you think it could be some, someone like the Heat or the Raptors or even somebody else? I really, truly want to say the Raptors just because I think mm-hmm. it's genuinely almost like miraculous what they've put together and the development they've gotten out they're probably the model franchise now taking the mantle from the spurs i'd say right as of this moment obviously in terms of track record no one beats pop and that but right now mm-hmm. at the same time i agree with josh when he says that i don't think that you can trust pascal siakam to get you a bucket late in a game right he's not a guy you just throw the ball to and say two points go get it he's he's he but spicy p is phenomenal but they don't. I don't think they have that guy right now. But here's the question that I have for that, and I've asked Josh this: Is it that you haven't seen it, or you don't think you can see? You're going to see it. You know what I mean? And 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 I and I, and I make that uh, uh, you know uh, that point because that's there's an obvious difference. Like there's guys that you can look at and say like, yeah, I can't get that from him. And then there's guys that says, oh, I don't know if I can get that from him. Which which is it for you with him? I think right now he's like half a step away from getting to that point. That's what I'd say. He hasn't done it yet, and I don't think he's going to be able to do it right now. I think with the trajectory we've seen with him, with his improvement from last year beyond, we're going to see him get to that level probably next year is what I'd say, if we have a season next year, obviously, all that caveat. Oh, man, knock on wood. I I hadn't even gotten that far yet. I hadn't even gotten that far. I don't think Uh, the people in the NBA office have either. No, actually, I think they have. I I think if they haven't, I think if they haven't, then that's a problem. If they're not already considering, okay, alternative you know, alternative options for next season, if they're not already considering, okay, what does an extended bubble situation look like? If they're not already, you know, act, no, no. Yeah, no, if you're they're right, not already actually. doing these things, they'd be the NFL or they'd be Major League Baseball. <laughs> but they're not. So, yeah. Uh, um, last thing on the Eastern Conference, if there's going to be a surprise team, you know, like, you know, someone that, you know, off the beaten path, like whether it's Philly somehow miraculously putting it together uh, or anyone else, is, you know, could you name one? Philly's chances cratered once Simmons was done for the year. And I think they've yeah. said he's not coming back as most likely not coming back. Right. Nor With she, the subluxation. Yeah. And then, that's, a, that's a two month. That's a two month recovery. And if they had honestly had had they said anything under the oh you know he's going to be day to day or you know we'll see you know seven days yeah. it would have told me you know kind of where they are on him you know like mm-hmm. them saying he's not coming back actually you know leads me to believe that they you know that they whether they value him as a you know a future player or a future asset um, I can appreciate that. Do you think that they're going to split the two? They're going to split Simmons and Embiid up after this year. Man, you know, it's funny because we, we did discuss this last week, but I honestly think that they're going – the first thing that's going to happen is the coach. Like, And, and this is not yeah. shade towards Brett Brown, but I said this last year. Um, I, I thought that he you know, he might have gotten let go. I understood why they didn't, specifically because of how they lost. You know, like like that, that's mm-hmm. that's about as close as you can get <laughs> you know, you know, to, 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 to move into the Oops. next level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they lost to the eventual champs. 
right now, yeah, Brett Brown's got to go. Um, and mm-hmm. it's and it's unfortunate because I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't necessarily know that. I don't necessarily know that he's the right fit for what you know where they're at or what they have. Uh, but then again, that's also kind of leading to the you know the point where you look at that roster and you look at Elton Brand and you know I I you know shout out to my guy Jameson he didn't want to be you know uh, too he didn't want to be too negative about you know about <laughs> EB but I'm gonna go ahead and go there that guy gave a carcass okay no disrespect that guy gave wow yeah <laughs> that oh guy gave 109 million to you know an older aging uh, guy that you can't even play alongside Embiid that guy gave like almost 200 million to Tobias Harris and hey. As I always say, get your checks, get your money. I'm not hating on anybody's funds, but if I'm a GM, that ain't a, that's not a deal that I can do. No, and you'd much rather that money go to keeping someone like Jimmy Butler who can handle yes. the ball instead of you know clogging up space. Because Tobias Harris, you want to play him at the four, and uh, Al Horford, you want to play at the five. Mm-hmm. Kind of a problem when <laughs> Simmons and Embiid probably fit best at the four and the five. Exactly. So your two stars, you put a big time free agent or at least big time free agent numbers uh, in their positions. That's it's, just not smart, man. I'm sorry. Like, so yeah, it's, I, I think it's. I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna be. They're gonna go nuclear. I think it's going to be the coach, and either Elton Brand himself or and or one of those guys. I think you'll see brett brown go and they'll try as hard as they can to get off the horford or harris contracts if that means attaching some kind of asset to it then they'll do that because they just need they need like a full-on reset somehow what and, what asset do they have other than Embiid and simmons that you, that you know that you could attach to one of those deals i mean maybe like a future first right i mean i think harris still has some trade value I think he has some trade value just because I think if you give him a change of scenery in a different situation, he could be a lot better. But Horford, you're going to – I don't think you get off the Horford deal, to be honest, yeah. You're not getting off the Horford deal, and to be honest with you, with the size of that Harris deal – and I, I could be wrong. I could 100% be wrong. Um, because And specifically because there's always that one GM and that one coach or that one right. team president that says, hey, I like that guy. I like what he brings, right? Uh you know, because at one point I said you're never going to get out of the Mike Conley deal. At one point I said you're never going to get out of the you know, um, what's uh, my man uh, JJ? Uh, the, uh, he had the resurgence uh, in the big three just this past Joe Johnson. You're never going to get off uh-huh. of that contract, you know. But you know what? Times have shown that you can event you'll ultimately get out of deals. I just don't know you know outside of moving one of those big guys how they're going to do it. Yeah. All right, and I think I think you asked me who like a dark horse coming. I, the dark horse is Miami, and I don't know if they're that much of a dark horse anymore. But I think they're, they're one of the best defensive teams in just terms of the length they can throw at you. I mean, Bam in the middle, obviously, and then you have Iguodala, who's not a good shooter but still a pretty good defender. Mm-hmm. They've got great shooter in Duncan Robinson, good point guard play, and none. Although I think Dragic is probably better, and I, I think they're just extremely well coached. And I think that. If any team is going to give Giannis issues, it's going to be Bam on Giannis with yeah, all those guys around him. Exactly. I'm glad you, you followed up with that point because I I don't think it's going to be just like a matter of, like, oh, okay, he's like the Giannis stopper. But if you've got all of that length and just mm-hmm. like rangy, you know, all those rangy guys all around him, that's going to make it, it is going to be interesting. If, if Milwaukee's not hitting their threes, if Chris Middleton all of a sudden, you know, turns into, you know, turns into a pumpkin, if Eric Bledsoe, you know, essentially says, I don't want to be here, if, you know, if, if, um, 
Big man, if Brooke Lopez all of a sudden stops hitting all the threes that he's been hitting in, 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 within the bubble, if I'm not mistaken. And if they so, play him off the floor with yeah, Bam at like, the five or yeah, Olenek at the five or something. It could get very interesting. I'm not predicting that, but I agree no. with you. If it's going to take place, I still think it's going to be one of those two teams. It's I, 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 I see the Celtics. You know what? I'm probably just being a hater because the Celtics have four different guys that can go get you a bucket. No, that's perfectly two, all right. I'm a hater of the Celtics. They've as well. got two or three guys that can you know that that can lock up all around the perimeter. So there's you know, so I shouldn't I shouldn't just be discounting them. But for whatever the reason is, it, you know, it, it has felt like the heater of Raptors, and we'll see. Anyhow, all right. Let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsors before we get into the audience's top five characters from the wire, as well as each of ours, of course. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use offer code DUNKSANDDISCOURSE or DealDash.fm slash DUNKSANDDISCOURSE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash Dunks and Discourse. And we're back on Dunks and Discourse, and it's time to get into these rankings. Uh, but before we get into the results, I know you were having some a couple of issues when we were trying to tally these. What was going on with that? Okay. I mean, I, I, I saw the results coming in, right? I'm just like, you know, checking my phone with the Google form, and I see that I, I want to make sure that I wrote the instructions really clearly, and people can go back and go through the version history to make sure I didn't change it. I specifically said, rank the, your top five characters, right? And I gave people, you know, each character had a one through five option. Some people interpreted that as, rate your favorite characters from one to five. And mm-hmm. I, but you said rank. Was, I saw it. I said rank, yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, if someone messes up, it messes up. It's not a big deal. But the problem is, the way I found I ranked the top uh, p- people was I looked at your the people's uh, the characters average scores and I saw who had the lowest one so if you gave Omar for example a five because you thought he was the best character on the show and you gave like three other characters a five now Omar's score went higher so I just ended up scrapping all the results from people who did that but the problem was a lot of people did that <laughs> you know and, and, and we we say this lovingly we obviously we appreciate everybody that you know that participates of course, of course. we appreciate all of the feedback on Twitter it's funny because on the forum we had a lot of that on Twitter y- y- y'all were all <laughs> over my timeline with the actual rankings <laughs> so 
Hey, you know, it, it uh, comprehension is not always the greatest. I'm talking about myself. Um, I, I, I said to, I, I admitted this to, uh, to um, Varun earlier. I probably would have done the same thing. So I get it. I see it. Anyhow, let's get to some of these. Let's get to these results. Before we get to the, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do it like this. We're going to go to, you know, we'll do yours. We'll do the audience. Then I'll give mine. Okay. All right, sounds good. So, who, so do you my, have in your, who do you have in your honorable mention? I had two people who I think are kind of similar in why they're my honorable mention. Okay. I got Bodhi and I got Prez. Ooh, okay. And the reason is these are two characters that had incredible arcs by the end of the series were some of our favorites. But in season one, they did extremely reprehensible things, right? <laughs> and you'll see in my list later, I have some bad dudes up higher who have done bad things as well. But the thing is, you're not expected to think they're good people. Yeah. Bodhi, you're expected to think at the end is a good guy, right? You know, that chat he has with McNulty in the garden. And then, you know, obviously at the end. Oh, right. Before we keep going, uh, if you haven't finished the show, stop listening now. There's going to be... A ton of spoilers, and right, we're gonna go spoilers. Yeah, wait, let, let me just say this: if you haven't, if you haven't watched the show and you're listening to a That's podcast fair. about the favorite characters in that show, I mean, come on now. But I'm glad that you said it. Yes, if you didn't listen, if you didn't watch, stop right now. Because stop right now. Gonna... We warned you before we said anything. Okay. Yep. So, and then obviously he gets killed by Marlo's guys. That's, Which you is... know that scene still hurts, man. Like, yeah, it, it, I it's, rewatched it's, it's... about you know during the pandemic, so. Uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, and I got to that scene, and it's I knew it was coming. I saw mm-hmm. when Poot, you know, shout out to my guy Trey Cheney. I saw when Poot was sitting there going, Bodie, yo, man, come on, man, let's go. And then I still sat there like, come on, man, just leave. Just leave. I've seen <laughs> this show three, four times. <laughs> he's a soldier, and he's not going to go. But yep. And then Bodie, obviously, in season one, he kills Wallace, right? Mm. He he uh, shoots once and Pooch shoots like two or three more times, mm-hmm. right? So it's a combined. On the same side with Prezbaluski, by the end of the series, I think he was like one of my top three most likable characters with what he did for Duquan mm-hmm. when he was a teacher and just the way he adapted as a teacher, right? And then before that, when as a cop, you saw him really starting to like come into his own in terms of you know problem solving and working with Freeman and all that you really started to feel good for the guy. At the same time, in, I think, the second episode of season one, he blinds uh, blind oh, yeah. one eye of a kid, and then he ac- accidentally shoots a cop in season three. Ooh, kills him. Kills him, yeah. Shoots and kills. And that's why he gets obviously kicked off the force and becomes a teacher. So there are two characters who I love, but at the same time have some serious, some serious black marks on their resume. Yeah, you know what? This is an oversight. I did not have Presbo in my honorable mention, but he should have been for the for all of those reasons. He's one of the more, you know, he's one of the more versatile characters. He's one of the guys that shows the most growth throughout the court you know, over the course of the show. Um, he he he, he kind of like you know found himself. You know, he, he he obviously was not suited for you know to be a cop. The, yeah, the law no. enforcement was not for him, but. Like you, like I love the I love the progress that he showed. I I love the transition, you know, of when he became you know Mister Presbo instead instead of uh, <laughs> Officer, you know, you know, fuck up Presbaluski. Uh And uh, you know, yeah, I should have had him in mind, but he's not. My honorable mention. I've got a few, of course. All right, Weebay. I'm oh, just gonna say it like this: one. he's that dude you absolutely want in your corner. Simple as that. Mike, 
Um, I didn't see a lot of people on the timeline mentioning Michael. And the reason why specifically I think he deserves to be like you, first of all, you see him as a kid initially, you see the vulnerability, Mm -hmm. you know, and then very quickly you see it transition and you, you know, you, you, whether it's through experience or the environment or the combination of the situation, you see that total innocence lost, but he still just wants to care for his brother and keep him away from the re- from their reality or the reality of their lives as well as their environment for as long as possible. So forever, I'm always going to have an appreciation for Michael. And plus, even though I know they say it's bad form to predict you know whatever the show was doing it, he's clearly the next Omar, and you know. Uh, He's a stick-up guy. You yeah. just hope you hope it works out best, you know, better for him. Mm-hmm. The last guy that I've got on here, and this is the now this is the shock for me at least because I'm here for this. It's Daniels, and here's why. Oh. I remember thinking he was a company man, a bootlicker, you know, just a punk the first time around. Now, <laughs> bear in mind, I was around your, I was, you know, I was in my early twenties when I was, when I first watched, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where I even I loved McNulty for always defying him. Come mm-hmm. to find out, as I've grown up, you know, grown a little bit more mature and worked professionally for a couple decades, Daniels is actually dope as hell, and he had his people's <laughs> back like crazy in ways that they actually didn't deserve it at times. So, uh, he, he absolutely should, you know, should be, uh, should be at every, or at least should be get some recognition. I don't think he's going to show up on anybody else's list, so that's why I threw him in there. Yeah, just talking about Weebe, and you say how he was the ultimate. The ultimate soldier for Avon, right? Yep. The way, I, the scene that always sticks out for me is when he's in the police station and he's just mm. accepting every single murder they throw at him. <laughs> you want the one behind the woods? I got you. You want little man? I got you, right? He takes every single one and he doesn't hesitate because he knows he's going for life. I'm going to take as much on me so Avon doesn't have to deal with any of it. He's yep. screwed at that point, right? Like he's he's screwed no matter what. But he wants to take the pressure off of his friend and his boss, Avon. He ate the he ate all those charges like he was eating some tater salad, like he, <laughs> like he with, was with no problem. Yeah, that 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 scene is absolutely one of my favorites of the show. And and you know, you if we were to discuss the wire from here for the you know to the for the next ten you know ten episodes of this, I would say that repeatedly because yes, the wire is my favorite show of all time. I don't care Same whether here. other people think it's the greatest show of all time; it's my favorite show of all time. So anyhow, um, the audience had Avon in their honorable mention. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. Actually, you he's know coming what? later. He's coming later. He's coming later for you. Okay. Oh yeah. So as funny as it is, he's not coming up for me. Oh, really? And I like Avon, but I'm going to be honest with you. Too one-dimensional. Really? Like, I respect it, and I understand why he was the way he was, but had you been able, and we're going to get to this with the Stringer situation coming up, trust me. Oh my God, I'm so excited. But had you been able to combine the two of them, you'd have the perfect guy. You know what I'm saying? The perfect you know, for, you know, for what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. One was, you know, one was two, you know, two classroom. One was two street. Anyhow, yeah, lo- I I do love Avon though, and yeah, and and I and I understand why they had him there. All right, so who do you have for number five? I got Jimmy McNulty. Nice. Who's, you know, babe, <laughs> out of the people you're supposed to root for, right? Mm-hmm. Although, you know, you get older and you're like, oh, really? Should I be rooting for these guys? Jimmy's the guy who you're almost like, I felt in season four when he gets his act together and you see him when he invites Bunk over and he's just happy. That's one of the nicest feelings, man. That's yes. up there with another character's redemption arc. And then in season five, he throws it all away and goes just on an absolutely off, yeah. demented <laughs> mission, right? But Jimmy, I, I think Jimmy, I, I, 
I think Lester is the smartest cop in the series, right? Just in terms of like mm-hmm. what you see, but I think in terms of like potential, Jimmy was insane, right? Like, I mean, that guy saw like seven steps ahead in terms of how am I going to manipulate Rawls? How am I going to manipulate you know these uh, like D'Angelo in season one? How am I going to see this uh, crime scene and get this uh, murder done, right? It was he. It was incredible that scene in uh, season two, right? When he he he, I think he like stays late one day in the harbor office just so he can say that the body they found was in uh-huh. Baltimore and uh-huh. not in the county, just so he could screw Rawls. I mean, that's that's the that's the epitome of what Jimmy McNulty was. He would do he would go out of his way and put in a hundred and fifty percent effort either for the job or to screw someone he hated. Love the McNulty pick. He's not coming up for me either. Crazy as oh, it is, there, look, there's too there are too many characters to, to appreciate, and I appreciate all of them for That's different fair. reasons. But I one hundred like he's not one of those ones where I give people a hard time for having him in their top five. By the way, I should have mentioned that Josh's honorable mention was Bubbles. I uh, he's coming up for me, so I'll save you know commentary on on that. I think he's coming up for you as well, and he is coming up for, for sure. the audience. Um, and uh, Josh's number uh, number five was uh, Bodie. Um, So in terms of your, the last thing I'll say about McNulty is this. McNulty, you know, while yes, Freeman is the best cop, McNulty's right there with him. And if he Mm -hmm. didn't have some of his character flaws, he might even be a better cop because his instincts are so incredible. It's not funny. Just just like you said, like, you know, knowing how, you know, knowing which buttons to press at the right time or even ahead of time. No, you know, looking down the line and being able to say like, okay, I need to tighten, I need to uh, uh, tighten the screws on this guy or, you know, or or appeal to Donetta's, you know, know, sensibilities, Mm -hmm. mom's sensibilities and whatnot. The scene that does it for me is one of his final scenes in the show, season five, when he t- when he puts down that final murder. It's like like that's Jimmy McNulty in a, that's Jimmy McNulty in a nutshell, like to the point where like I don't know if you remember it, Bunk and I think it was Kimo are sitting there like when he says like I think it's down and they're like get the fuck get out of here not you're not even that good but he was, so I like I, I like the I like the Jimmy call I can appreciate that. I'm trying to find the speech that. Uh, Landsman gives at the end when he's mm-hmm. when he talks about McNulty at the Irish Wake from McNulty, uh-huh. and like that it's that's so that's that it, every single one of those speeches is like incredible stuff, right? And that Jimmy was the best McNulty, part of Landsman's character, by the way. <laughs> yeah, speeches. Landsman sucked, right? But he had that one redeeming uh, quality. I think he does it like two or three times, and each mm-hmm. time it's and and uh, Landsman said. Did Jimmy do the wrong thing, go out with the wrong person, piss off the wrong guy? Every single day. But was he natural police? Yes. He was natural police? Through and through. Through and through. Without a doubt. All right. So the audience had Stringer as their number five. Do you want to do this now or do you want to do this after we get to the end of the session? Let's do it. Let's do it a little bit later. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My number five. Let me see. Who did I end up having there? Oh, that's right. It is. So I went back and forth. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I, I, I this, like I said, it was. I had a great deal. Of, I had a great deal of fun doing this, but it was tough because I, I wanted. Sing. I wanted to have you know one one a two two a <laughs> you know and then so on and so forth. So anyway, my number five is Bunny Colvin. Whoa! And he's actually, the best character on this show. So many wow. layers, such depth, so much relate uh, relatability. One of the actual more honorable characters on the show, if you like, when you get to his core, 
even the hamster dam situation. If you go back through and watch, it's ba- it's it's not just like he just said like oh f it like I don't care. You know, it was basically like okay, they're going to sell their drugs, they're going to commit these crimes. If I can just keep it at least away from everyone else, everyone else can be at peace. I get you know folks that will say say oh no you can't do that. I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought it was a brilliant idea when I first saw it, and I still think it's a brilliant idea. Then you go to the to, to the school program because he, you know, he, you know, so he got played, he got played out of that situation, gets fired, getting you, know, you, know, you know, unceremoniously bumped down, you know, uh, a, a pay level, a pay grade in retirement because Rawls is a piece of shit, um, and, and so and so was Burrell. And he loses the Hopkins job. Uh, yeah. Oh, let's go. You know, I'm sorry. You're right. Loot goes to the John Hopkins situation. Doesn't like that because he's not into, you know, basically covering up for rich douchebags, do, you know, committing date rape and, 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 and you know, violent acts. He doesn't no, no, really- he loses he loses the John Hopkins thing because of what happened with Amsterdam. Then he goes to work for a hotel. And like you said, oh, he's like, no, I'm not going to tell. I thought that was at John Hopkins. You're no, right. thank you. Because he, okay. he takes that uh, hotel security job and yes. they give him a car and then they take it away because he, you know, yeah. arrested. So. Uh, Basically, he yeah, you're 100 percent right, and he's basically getting screwed over left and right all throughout his like no matter which you know where he turns, because he's trying to do the right thing, and by do the right thing meaning help as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So you're right. So he so he loses a security job, he loses the John Hopkins job because of the, you know because of the rumors. Then he goes and he's and he, and he and he is a part of this great pilot program, you know, trying to. <laughs> Yeah, you know, trying, you know, trying to catch all the kids that are being just completely ignored and left by the system, actually does some positive things in these kids' lives, only to have bureaucracy and nonsense take that away. And it's like, it, it, and and what does he do? Does he, you know, does he go away? Does he just say like, okay, fuck it all? No, he actually says, okay, I'm going to adopt this one kid. He can't save all of them, but I'm going to mm-hmm. save one. Does that turns the kid's life around? Anyway, yeah. He's dope as hell. He's not going to be on anyone else's list. But if you really go back and look, he's one of the absolute dopest characters. I will say there's some really interesting parallels between what happens at Hamsterdam and what happens at the school program. Because in the later iterations of Hamsterdam, after the deacon gets involved, you see that they actually have to... It's not just legalization of drugs in those areas. There's also treatment occurring, right? You have a lot of public health officials who are there. And so you're helping the people in the system maybe in a more effective way than arresting them would and probably definitely a more effective way. And you're also helping the people outside of the system who are no longer bothered by what's going on with the drug dealing and the violence that's associated with it. In the school system... You take the kids out who are, you know, extremely antagonistic towards teachers because of deep-seated issues they have in their past, like Naimond or like any of the other kids that were in the room, right? And you put them in a situation where you can maybe help them a little bit better. And at the same time, you allow these teachers to actually teach the kids that they can't, like Presbaluski, who sees his class become a lot less rambunctious and just honestly like he's able to get through to the kids much easier after Naaman leaves the classroom and so it's it's a really interesting parallel and you're right I mean Bunny Colvin's maybe the most honorable character on the show and it just shows in the world of the wire and maybe even the real world doing the right thing doesn't get you anything other than a knife in your back 
Yep. <laughs> Often, a lot of times. Like, yeah, of course, there's sometimes where it works out, but you're right. A lot of times, you know, the, the, the person that's trying to do the right thing is not going to, you know, reap the benefits. Just isn't going to. Anyhow, all right, let me get your number four. It's Bubbles. I mean, nice. one, of, one of the best characters in the show, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. Just from the first second you see him, he's maybe the most energetic, his interactions with Pima. And he's also one of the most heartbreaking because what the best thing The Wire does is it shows you all sides of the drug trade. It shows you the people who are perpetrating it. It shows you the people who profit from it, like Levy. It shows you the people who fight against it, like the cops. And it also shows you the people who are actually hurt by it the most. And that's people like Mm -hmm. Bubbles, right? Because Bubbles had an entire life. He had a sister who gave up on him, essentially. He had a kid who he doesn't know, a girlfriend and a partner that he doesn't know anymore. Everyone in his life gave up on him. And you see him throughout the show try and try and try to get clean again and again, right? Whether that's at the end of season one where he gets screwed because Kima gets shot and so he relapses. Or if it's at later points where he's going to get clean, he's going to get clean, but Johnny gets him roped into some kind of scheme and next thing you know, he's back back in you know a, a terrible situation. And that moment when you see him walk out of the basement in the last episode... Mm-hmm. It might be the only happy story The Wire delivers because everyone else is still trapped in that quagmire of misery that is Baltimore the entire world. You have McNulty losing his job, Freeman losing his job. You've got Marla walks free, right? But the only redemption is the fact that Bubbles gets to walk out and he's clean now. And that's the point of the show, that even though there's 700 failures, there's one thing that's going to keep you and the rest of the world going. Okay, I'm going to ask a question here. Is Bubbles the, not just the conscience of the show, is Bubbles actually the main character? Think about it. What the show is about. I mean, the show is about, it's so, it's so multi mm-hmm. so it's, you know, multi-layered, you know, you're beyond belief and it's in there a million different storylines. But is it actually about that? Someone going through the struggles, you know, and pain and enduring all of that, all of the, you know, terrible, you know, stuff that the streets and life in general, you know, can, can throw at you. You know, whether it was going through the law, you know, losing Johnny, losing Sherrod, being actively responsible for, you know, for Sherrod's mm-hmm. death, even if it wasn't on purpose. Uh, and, you know, the, to, to, you know, getting clean, finding out that he, you know, he didn't have the bug, you know, continuing, you know, continuing, you know, to, to, to do positive things in the lives of others, all the way culminating to the point where, like you said, and that's one of my favorite scenes. Like, that is absolutely, and it's just very mm-hmm. quick, short little, you know, little throwaway scene. In that little but, montage they do at the end of every season. Mm-hmm. I, 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 so, my question is, is he the main, is he actually the main character? I get where you're going, and I think if there's any character that you could say is the main character of the show, it probably is Bubbles. But I think like what the show creators, the show character uh, creators David Simon and Ed Burns were going for, mm-hmm. their main character of the show was the city, right? Just the yes. way they show you every single aspect. The city lives and moves along with these people, and they're just inhabitants uh, that live there, right? Yeah, I think that's no. without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, it and and. It, in fair, it, actually, I can't even deny that. I can't even argue with that. I was gonna, I was trying to, I was gonna try to play radio a little bit, <laughs> play podcast a little bit, but no, it is. It's it's about the city in totality. Bubbles is just like because you said the reason why he stands out is because he's probably, if not the only, one of the only positive spins at the end of this. I can't like I can't think of another character that has the positive arc at the end, right? Because 
Michael goes into the yeah. Omar role, which is, you know, yeah, Michael's obviously violence. Duquan, unfortunately, goes, he becomes the next Bubbles, right? Yeah. Who yeah. falls into it. it it's one, one of the most. That was one of the ones that hurt as well. That one of the, killed the tougher me. scenes. Oh, as my well. God. Prize Belusky, I, I guess you could say, is a happy story, but he couldn't save Duquan, right? Randy yeah. is at the group home, and that's not working well. Oh, that's, yeah, that's just uh, done. I'm trying to think. Daniels doesn't get to be major, right? He works so hard to become major, and then at the end he resigns. Carcetti well, becomes governor, I guess. So. You know, actually, yeah, I was going to say, Daniels is actually also a success story, too, because yeah. he did all of that. But you keep in mind, remember, prior to you know The Wire actually coming about, he, he had already put his papers in. He wanted yeah. to actually go and be the lawyer, and he finally was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think he's a success story as well. Um, yeah. yeah, but anyhow... <laughs> I right. guess you could say Carcetti's a success story, but then the question is, do you want Carcetti to have success? <laughs> no, but then the other but the other reality is, it would be Carcetti that would yeah. be success in in all, in all of this. Mm-hmm. He he would be the one that makes it out. All right, where are we now? Hold on, <laughs> I went off on I went off. <laughs> we're on at that we're at fourth. We're at fourth. We're we're at four. All right, so Josh's number four is Stringer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we talked about this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let, let's go ahead and talk about Stringer. You want to do it now? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, <clears throat> I can tell both me and you listen to The Right Time with Bomani because he just talks about this at least once a week. There's some conversation about Stringer. Look, to Josh's point, and, you know, and I've, um, I'm almost certain that this weekend he'll still want to make this point, And you know what? Shout out to you. He's He, he always, you know, or excuse me, he, you know, it's clear that Stringer wasn't wrong. And here's my here's my deal. And, and what he's referring to is wanting to do the co-op, wanting to do things peacefully, wanting to be able to just, you know, everybody make their money and not have to worry about the killing and the gangbanging. And yes, of course. And also diversifying and continuing to, you know, to build to the point where you can be completely, you know, completely legal. Yes, he had the right idea. He just had the wrong approach. It was essentially Stringer attempting to, you know, and I, am, I I don't want to steal from, you know, Way Down in the Hole, which is a great podcast. It's Jamel Hill and Van Lathan. They've been doing it for the ringer. Uh, but I'm going to acknowledge that, you know, they, they pointed it out. It's essentially like he was trying to bring in parliamentary rules, uh, you know, like in, into actual <laughs> war. You know what I'm saying? He was like, essentially, he, he he's he's trying to play baseball with a basketball. Like, I get the idea, and you might have the best laid in your plans and the, and the greatest of intentions, but thinking that you were going to get a bunch of cats from the street to do to, you know, to act like they're in a boardroom simply you know, was, was very clearly a tactical error. I, I think of the scene where, I can't remember the guy's name, Sh- Shamrock is taking notes at one of oh, the yes. uh, co-op meetings, <laughs> and, and Stringer <laughs> just grabs him and says, are you taking notes of a criminal conspiracy? And and I want to look at Stringer and be like, are you making a system where someone has to take notes at a criminal conspiracy? Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, he, he the, and the funny, again, you know, shout out to both Jamel and Van, they make the point all the time. Shamrock and all those guys actually tried to do the things that he wanted them to do. He was getting mad at them, like even whether they did it right or did it wrong, he was getting frustrated. And it's like, you know, honestly, again, it, okay. And it, and the tactical errors are one thing. 
Stringer was also a piece of shit, man. Oh my god, he's a terrible human being. <laughs> and I have terrible human beings higher up as well, but he's just like, I hate him. Oh my god, I hate him so much. From the situation with D'Angelo, everybody that's watched the show knows that was foul. Whether Avon, you know, could have... You know, wait, wait, let's specify the situation with D'Angelo, because there's two things, right? There's oh, one... Oh, coming there. Oh, yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> we gonna get there's there. There's one... Oh, oh, we're gonna get there? Okay, cool, okay. That That's, go, that's coming last. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the murder first. <laughs> right, okay, well, so, let's say the so, murder so of D'Angelo. Has, so he has D'Angelo killed, you know, murdered in prison. Um, could Avon have protected him a little, a bit more? Yes, but ultimately, uh, you know, he knew that he knew that you know where D'Angelo stood, and he just he basically just made you know made a unilateral decision and didn't care that it was you know, that it was Avon's nephew and didn't care that it was man. Why can't I think of uh, of uh, D'Angelo's mom's name anymore? And I've seen the show so many times. Well, anyhow, uh, uh, Auntie Barstale, yo, Mama Barstale, um, didn't care about any of them. Has a guy killed. Then has Brianna. To, Brianna, thank you. Then has the audacity to go to the wake in straight Bishop from Juice, and again, this is a reference that they made in Way Down the Hole. In, in that, in that, in that style, acting like he truly cared. Scumbag, man. Just a total Terrible. scumbag. And l- l- you talked about the tactical things. He gets played out of his shoes by Clay oh, yes. Davis. Oh God. Right? It is it is Shaq dunking on Chris Dudley. It is an absolute domination. It's not even close. Clay Davis takes him by the hand and shoves him into the ditch, and he's not getting up. He gets played on every single side because he's so arrogant that he thinks he's playing them, and he's not looking at the bigger picture. Do you remember the scene from season five once again where Clay is actually breaking that down to Lester? And and laughing about it, saying, "Yeah, we had oh this one guy string, <laughs> just just <laughs> literally clowning him." Yeah. Oh. So yeah. And, oh yeah. And on top of the, on top of having D'Angelo murdered, <laughs> right. he also hooks up with his girl after the fact. Just foul. Go, goes to the house, holding the kid, sitting up there looking at the pictures of De, De, of D'Angelo. You know, just 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 one of the lowest, most you know, vile, dirty max of all time. Now, I want to make this clear: if Stringer's in your top five, okay, I get it. Look, <laughs> Idris Elba was incredible. Idris Elba was so damn good that when I heard Idris Elba speak for the first time, I was like, "What the fuck? What? Huh? He's not from Baltimore?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I I I couldn't understand it. No, so I get it if he's if he's in your top five. But you have to acknowledge that he, yo, you're 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 rooting for a rat. As long as you acknowledge that, oh, I didn't. We didn't even get to the fact that he told on it, you know, that he oh, was right. trying to send Ava on the prison. And I get right. at that time it was just like, yo, you get this guy out of the, you know, get this guy out of the mix. Like, you know, like I I want I, I want the crown for myself, and I don't want him messing things up. But that still goes against him. Anyhow, all right. All right. So we're on number Let's four. Let's take a breath. Huh. Let's take a breath now, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the audience had the bunk as as number four, and I'm 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 happy that they had it. I'm happy that they had him. The bunk. He's coming up in a different category for me because we've got uh, beyond the top five. We had those two other questions that I, you know that I threw out there, right? And it was mainly so that I can get a couple more characters in there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I get I get them. You know, choosing him here. Let's see. It, uh, my you said you're number four, right? You my said number four. Colvin? I did not. I'm going last. Lester oh, okay. Freeman. Ooh. It's Lester Freeman, man. Lester Freeman, uh, you know, we've already kind of discussed him. The best cop on the show. 
Um, it's crazy, you know, the, from the <laughs> from the open. To be honest with you, when he, when the show started, I thought, okay, so he's just gonna be the old guy that's not really doing anything. And of course, they kind of like you know started off that way. But then you come to realize, like, oh shit, wait a second, he might just be sitting there doing those dollhouse miniatures. But he's you know he's the one, like he's the star. You know, he's the star of the bunch. Got it, got it. And you know, I, I'm not. I'm never gonna be mad at an old dude that can pull Chardine and uh, <laughs> and, and change that entire situation up. I was going to be very crass just then and reference a song, but I will not because that's not appropriate. <laughs> but yeah, he 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 upgraded that. You know, you know, she she upgraded her situation. So yeah, Lester Freeman for me. Um, and and it's funny, we, Josh and I discussed you know the wire a little bit. Of, you know, probably about. 10 episodes back, maybe, maybe even a couple more. And I said, I wouldn't mind seeing a, um, a, a spinoff, you know, based on Lester Freeman, uh, you know, maybe even, you know, some of the bunk. Uh, that's how much I like that character. So you're talking like a younger Lester before he, like when he's a young murder police. I'd absolutely be here for that. You know, kind of leading up to what led him to, you know, to the, you mm-hmm. know, to the pawn shop or whatever, you know, wherever he was pawn unit. Who do you think should play? Oh man. I mean, I'm always gonna, I'm always biased with Mahershala because he's like my favorite. Oh, that's of, good. He's my favorite. But, of if, you, like the, but if you want a younger guy, though, I mean, you know, uh, one guy who kind of looks like him, and I could, I, I think it's mostly just because they're both black and skinny-ish. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> kind of like tall, tall and skinny. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield kind of looks at him just with the, if you see like the mustache oh, he'd grown out. A you know what? Bit. Lakeith could, Lakeith could play him. Lakeith yeah. could absolutely play him. And my man that uh, plays uh, the cat in Snowfall, uh, British guy. Um, do you uh, watch Snowfall? No, His name is but Damson. I think I know what you're talking about. Anyhow, he 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 could probably he could pull that off as well. All right, let's keep it going. Who do you have at your number three? I have Avon Barksdale. Nice. And nice. listen, he's a. I am not condoning what Avon did on the show. He's an absolutely horrible person, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he is incredibly cool. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in season one where he's just walking through the courtyard, right, and the sun's yes. kind of shining a little bit, and it's one and it's slow motion, and it just, it just, man, that Wood Harris had just so much swagger in that Hold role, on. right? That that walk or the walk on the baseball diamond, which one? Oh, baseball diamond. Because the, the <laughs> thing is, the fact that everyone stops playing. Yep. That that's next level. That's next level. That yeah, reminds me stop. of like watching like Indian stop. movies as a kid. They, they they looked off to the distance like oh hey what's up over there hey you see that bird what's up yeah like no one wanted to look him in the eating. eye because if you look him in the eye we may might come in your room at night exactly exactly you look looking Avon in the eyes like saying Candyman in the mirror three times don't do it <laughs> all right that's fair that's fair I'm um look I, I, like like while he didn't make my list uh. I, I, I got to be honest with you. People that I kept off, I ended up having to find excuses. So the excuse that I gave of two one dimensional, this is because like I had to, somebody had to go, and that was that was the one thing about him. So, yeah, I think I, you know we talked about Stringer obviously, and people are gonna say, well, Stringer double crossed Avon, but Avon double crossed Stringer with Brother Muzone. The thing is, Avon didn't really double cross him with Brother Muzone, right? Avon no, just saw, yeah, oh, no, Brother it, Muzone. I can't fix this situation at all, right? Mm-hmm. Because Stringer tried to double cross you by getting Omar to kill you, and then you found out what was happening, and it's like you don't want to step at that situation. You know what I mean? Well, not only that, he remember in that scene, like that's the scene where he's get was getting a shave or something like that, or getting a haircut. Mm-hmm. 
He asked if he can pay it off. Yeah, he said, he's like, yo, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? And he's saying that knowing that it's extremely disrespectful for him to even consider saying mm-hmm. that to a guy like Brother Mazone. But that, that's how, you know, the, he, so yeah, I, I disagree that he double, you know, that he double crosses him. I think it's just a matter of like, well, I mean, hey, the sun's coming up tomorrow. I can't stop it. I want to quickly talk about Brother Mazone unless you have him for a later category. I do not. Let's do it. Okay. One of the listeners, I think it was Thomas Sena, said that he found Brother Mazone to be the most almost like cartoonish character on the show. And I kind of get where he's coming from, mm-hmm. but I also feel that it's. I, I think Thomas is kind of overstating it just a little bit, right? I think Brother Mazone feels a bit out of place, but I also feel like it's not totally inconceivable that if you have a guy like Omar, you have a guy like Brother Mazone, right? Yes. Okay, so here's where I am on Brother Mazzoni. I love the character. He's not one of my favorites, but I do love the character. But I actually agree with Thomas in this one. Um, some of the, you know, like, it, it's, it's, with him, it's like folklore type, you know, you know type behavior. Like, mm-hmm. even to the point where we remember the scene where he shoots cheese was at season two uh, in, mm-hmm. in the courtyard where they were sharing, where they were sharing the space. Um, right. You know, like, it, it pulls up, shoots. Uh, hand, you know, just casually hands the gun back to you know, Lamar. Like, yes, you know, it, it, some of the lines, you know, I, I again, I love the character. It, it, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I'm glad he was a part of the show, but I do see where, you know, where Thomas may be coming from because some of the stuff was just unrealistic. But then again, if we're talking about that, same thing goes for Omar, and I'm not going to say anything bad about Omar, <laughs> but no. let's keep it real. Some of the times when he was just walking down the middle of the street, just like, no, no, somebody would have just popped him. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I do not care if, if everybody in the world is scared of him. Somebody somebody would have canarded him and and yeah exactly you said it <laughs> you said it someone did at the end i guess yeah. we'll get yep. to that i guess yeah yep. Yep. uh your uh right. your number three well actually let's go to josh's uh josh's number three is mcnulty not surprised by that because quite frankly josh if if okay so if if everybody is a character from the wire josh would be mcnulty i would probably be the bunk who who's mm-hmm. your character <sighs> i don't have an answer you got to tell me i was gonna uh. say the bunk I mean, you could, like, hey, we can both we, we can share them. There, there we enough, go. Okay. There's enough love from Wendell going around. Man. There's enough love. <laughs> or you know what? I'll be I'll I'll take like Randy. I'll take Randy. Oh man. Okay. Well, nobody Young loves guy. him, so you know what? He needed it. All right. <laughs> Audience, audiences number three was Bubbles. Uh, we've discussed him. Um, my number three is Bodie. Okay. All right. So Bodie, man. It, it, Bodie never had a chance. Now, and, and okay. The Wire does a great job of kind of like differentiating between uh, the, the experiences of the characters. Even though they're showing them in their current environment, they give the they do a great job of giving backstory, giving context, giving you know, additional information, right? You see from the start, Bodie had no chance. He was in those streets as a child. His older brother did it. His dad, you know, his dad, uncles, all, everybody was a part of it. Uh, it. It was just meant to be. Uh, some folks grow up and like you know, everybody in their family is a lawyer, so they go into law. Some folks grow up, and everybody in their family, you know, is a doctor, so they go into medicine. You know, uh, D'Angelo kind of broke this down at, at, at a certain point before his death. Other people, they go into the family business, and the family business is the streets. That's what you're gonna do. So when, but like, like watching Bodie's character develop, one, I, you know, even though yes, they're doing reprehensible things, I appreciated his growth from the start where he was in the pit, all the you know, all the way, all the way through, you know, to you know, obviously he saw his demise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that there were, no, you know, there was no punches being pulled there. 
Like you know, you did you one of the few characters on the show that you never had to wonder where they were coming from or what they were thinking or what they were about to do was Bodie. And I think the genuineness of that, as well as recognizing that, oh man, this this cat never really had a shot. Uh, I think that he'll always have a you know, he'll always have a place for me. That character will always have a place. Do you think? Did you know? You know, as you got to like maybe like season three ish. Did you kind of know what Bodhi's fate was going to be? Did you kind of yeah. guess it? Yeah, because you know, the, the, and that's another thing the show does a great job of. They let you know, like, hey, anybody that's your favorite, we don't care. Anybody mm-hmm. that you think, like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm relating to this guy, we don't care. Anybody that you think, oh, maybe they'll make it. No, they won't. <laughs> no, they will not. Um, and it, But once he got mixed up with Marlo's crew, yeah, I, I, it was very evident where that was going to go. You could see the second he, I think, the second he had the chat with McNulty, I was like, oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. And yep. then, you know, obviously, it all ends up badly. I want to quickly make a change. I said that I was going to be like Randy, and then I realized that Randy was maybe most well-known in the show for being a snitch. I'm not a snitch. I'm going to take I'm gonna take bunk. I'm going to take the bunk. I'm the funny guy who occasionally gets serious. I'm going to take the bunk. I'm not mad at you, man. I'm not mad at you. When you said Randy, I'm not going to lie. I even said, like, hey, well, nobody shows him love, so okay. And, and, what's, and what's terrible about it, it sucks. Like, his life was terrible. He that, That's another kid that never really stood a shot because he wasn't built for the streets, but he was forced, you know, to live in the streets. And, and you know, we talked, and, 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 you know, I, I, like, joked about him being a snitch, but, like, he kind of did what you're supposed to in reporting on a murder, right? Yeah, and he didn't, yeah. Even though he did it to get out of trouble. Yeah, yeah, actually, to get out of trouble for covering for somebody that, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Look, I feel very good about saying that I'm not Randy anymore. I just want to get that off my chest, that's everyone. Upgrade. That's an upgrade. All right, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Who's your number two? The Bunk. Oh, my nice. goodness. Nice. Line for line, the funniest character on the show. That's what I'll say about <laughs> The Bunk. Look, hold on. He's got, he's, got some one, he's got some of the best one-liners on TV. Um, oh, yeah. I'm just a humble motherfucker with a big-ass dick. Excuse my language, folks. We're talking about the wire, so nobody can really be offended. <laughs> um, uh, I love I love when uh, Lester's walking away at one point. He just kind of turns to whoever's next to him. He's like, bow-legged motherfucker. I made I him walk that. like that. <laughs> Dog, you can, uh, we, we could go to his IMDB page and just go down the list. Every line was just perfect. I'm, I'm looking it up it's right kinda now. Like, it's kind of like in The Sopranos, Paulie. Did you watch The Sopranos? I should, I should ask. Um, I, I'm like on uh, episode two, so I'll be getting there okay. later. You, you, all right, we'll, we'll circle back to that. But Paulie, you'll see, he's kind of like the comic relief. Or even in situations where it's not funny or it shouldn't be funny, it's fucking hilarious. And, uh, <laughs> same thing with the bump. Same thing with the bump. All right, okay. so you had him at number two, the Josh. Let's see. Oh, coincidentally, Also Josh, just an incredible nickname, the bunk. I'm saying, bunk Moreland. Bunky <laughs> bunk. Jo- Josh had him at number two as well. Um, okay. It, yeah. It, it, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, when he and Jimmy are together, whether it's going on a scene and literally solving a murder just by saying the f word, right? Mm-hmm. Or when he get when he gives that speech to Omar. Yes. Um, I think when it's he, season when he scoots three. towards him. When he scoots towards him, like out of frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When he says, you know, we used to, we used to care for each other in this town, and then he like kind of like almost swings at him at one point. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's season three. I'm not. I think it's season three. But that that's one of the best show, best parts of this show. It, it is season three because it's after it's after Tasha, I think. Yeah, it's after Tasha gets killed and yeah. in the firefight when uh, Omar screws up. Yeah, one of the few times Omar screws up in the show. No, without a doubt. All right. So, oh, but by the way, that wasn't Omar that shot him. That shot her. That was Omar's boy. 
I can't remember his that character's name, but uh, if you go back and watch, he's he's the one that accidentally accidentally shoots her in the head. It Wait, what? It it was okay. So remember after after she gets killed, how the other lady was so mad at the at at um the little help. Yeah. Yeah, it's because he's the one that shoots Tasha. He shoots he just, her. He just like he's running and he he points behind him and shoots her in the head. Yes, that's why she was mad at him. If you go back and watch those scenes a little bit closer, she's saying she she even I think she even says at one point, or we might just get shot in the head or something like that. She's talking about him because he's the one that did it. Oh, I never. I thought I thought just like one of Avon's guys shot her. Nope. <laughs> oh, I never made that connection. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Go, go back and watch. And, and again, shout out to Way Down in the Hole. They, they pointed that out. I, I had already known that, but they pointed that out. I'm going to give a little bit of trivia that they didn't give out. Do All you right. remember? Do you remember in, I think it's in season one, uh, d- d- when there's that big shootout and the kid is in the window? It might be season two, but whenever it is, the kid's in the window and gets shot. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the, you know the, mom, the mom tells him to go to his, you know, go down, uh, go, get down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who that is? Who that kid is? Nope. He's uncredited. It's the same kid that plays Randy. No way. I swear to you. Go back and watch. That's the same kid that plays Randy. He was uncredited. Like, I mean, you, yes, he's in the credits, but that wasn't Randy, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, I did not, I did not, I, I definitely did not catch that. I think that's one of the first scenes you see Buddy Colvin in as well, because. Yeah, he, he arrives on scene. Mm-hmm. Coming, coming from when he comes late because he was at the uh, training in in DC or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting really deep into it, and and, fo- and <laughs> folks that are true fans of the Wire are like, "Wow, this guy knows it like that." Yes, I do. I've watched right. each episode like three or four times. It's yeah. kind of unhealthy, <laughs> without a doubt. I don't care. I'm probably gonna start it again in a couple months. All right, uh, audience has uh, Bodie at number two. Okay, totally understandable. I've got bubbles. Number two, for all the reasons all right. that I said earlier, love him, always will. Uh, you know, I don't care whether he, you know whether Simon intended for him to be the you know the the moral compass of the show. For me, he was. For me, he was like all the way you know all the way throughout. All right, without I mean I have a feeling like we're all going to be unanimous. Who's your number yeah. one? It's Omar. Omar Cummings. Of course it is. Look, I'm going to say this straight out. If Omar is not, I'm talking to everybody now. If Omar's not your number one <laughs> character in The Wire, you're doing it wrong. And to that guy, you know what? I need to find him. To the, my man, I'm gonna, as you discuss Omar, I'm going to find this guy that had roles in his top five. Okay, yeah, you, you find you that because I saw feds. that too. You are the feds. Something's wrong with you. I don't trust you. <laughs> There's something incredibly wrong with you. I'm sorry. I mean no disrespect, but I mean disrespect. Something's wrong with you. Sorry, go ahead. Omar. <laughs> Omar's Baltimore's he's the wires Robin Hood right yes quite literally steals from the quote-unquote rich in Avon and gives everything out sometimes he keeps it for itself but sometimes he gives it out whether it's to uh I'm blanking on the blind bartender's name who helps everyone but whether it's butchy or I mean he had he like actually has like a code right on the streets and that's one of the best bunk quotes a man has to have a code Omar has that code and yes. he doesn't kill civilians. He kills people. If, he, if he's going to kill someone, it's going to be someone who's in the game. He's not going to come at you if you're not in the game. And that's one of the most respectable things out of the characters who you wouldn't necessarily classify as the most moral. 
Yeah, no, without a doubt. You know what? And I'm going to go ahead and pay this off. Shout out to you, uh, Felix, or at underscore Kuiasante. <laughs> You're the only person of the hundreds of people that responded to this, whether it's in the form or on my timeline, that mentioned Rawls. That's because something's wrong with you. You know, I don't want to make this a podcast about Rawls, but I think one of the most, like, the smartest things the character, the showrunners of The Wire did was when... Uh, Brother Muzone's assistant goes to one of the gay bars in season yes. two, season looking two. for mm-hmm. looking for uh, Omar. You see Rawls there just for like one second, and it's never brought up again. But you always see, hear and hear and see hom- uh, homophobic uh, epithets thrown at Rawls, but you just think that's like cop talk. But maybe it's not, right? And mm-hmm. that's just like one really like small bit of character building that they never call back to, never like throw in your face. It's just really subtle and really well done. Absolutely, and that's a great point because they they do they sprinkle in little references down the road where he's making or he's making homophobic comments and things like that. And you, we all know people that's like, oh, that's where that stems from. Got <laughs> it, got it. There's a self hatred going on. I'm sorry that you have that, but yeah, um, yeah. Anyhow. So yeah, I mean, look, Omar for me, he's a guy. Um, I'm going to acknowledge something. I didn't cry, but I oh. got I got misty eyed when he got when he finally gets taken out in season. Oh five. yeah, okay. I thought you were like, gonna say you just like were stone faced when it happened. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh no no That's, no no no. I I, yeah. I I might have a stone heart, but it's not that stone. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, That's, yeah. Is is it is it one of the most shocking scenes in television? Right. No, no. What makes it so bad? If you go back and watch it, and I know you have, when Canard, the the the, the episode before that, I think it was. It was either earlier. He like Canard's trying to like burn a cat, right? Yes. No, 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 no. When when Omar comes limping up to them, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, got his gun on Mike, and he's saying, "You'll tell them this. Tell you know, tell Marlo come to the streets. This that, and the other. Right? Come see me." The way Canard looks at him is like, hmm. You don't look like that much. I knew right then and there, oh my God, are they going to do this? To the point where in the episode, when the, the scene where you're talking about, where Kennard, I think he's trying to burn the cat up or whatever he's trying to do, it was obvious then. It was like, oh no, it's going to be him. It's going to be him. So when, when Omar walks into that store, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know where it was going to come from. I, because for me, it came out of nowhere. I didn't, I, I think maybe on like a rewatch, I noticed I, I had more of an idea, but I, it came out of nowhere because that's the part of the show when Omar feels that is most invincible because mm-hmm. he quite literally jumps out of a building, right? And he breaks a leg and he's yep. very beat up. And one of the crazy things is, you know, people diss that scene from being, like, unrealistic. That's based off a real-life occurrence that happened with one of the characters that came into the inspiration for Omar that uh, either Ed's, uh, David Simon or Ed Burns knew. And... He seems just invincible. He's going around killing all of Omar's henchmen. He he. Uh, people are like, "Did you kill Joe?" And he's like, "I didn't kill Joe." And people believe him because he's Omar. Yeah. And it seems like he's on a warpath, and it seems like he's actually going to get Marlo. And then he gets taken down by Kennard, and it's like, right, this is the wire. What was I thinking? Is Kennard the next Marlo? No. Oh my God, no. Like the, you, okay. So think about it. I'm gonna. I'm, I'll, I'll give another one, and this is again, you know, from the other, from the other podcast. So I'm not breaking anything, breaking any news or anything. Do you remember back 
after in the you know, in this Tasha shootout, mm-hmm. the kids that were on the side play fighting and saying, "Yeah, Canard's." The I want to be says, Omar. Canard, yeah. <laughs> he says, "I want to be Omar." I want to be Omar. My turn to be Omar. That's Canard. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, man. Like, they, like honestly, people that just watch the show one time, you're not gonna get it all. You miss. You miss a lot. There's so damn much. Mm-hmm. David Simon, Ed Burns, and everybody that participated in this show, you did a, you did your damn thing. It is a shame, no matter... I'm always going to say this. I said it on the timeline yesterday. It's a damn shame that not only did they never win any Emmys, no one associated with the show ever won any Emmys. They were only nominated for two Emmys for the entire run, and it was for writers. No actors. None of those incredible performances got acknowledged, and that is a shame. All right, if you're going back, right, if you could... Go back and fix history, make the wire critically acclaimed so they didn't think they were gonna end after season three. What character for what episode are you gonna give an Emmy to? Or what character for like what season if you can't think of a specific episode? Uh I mean there there are a lot of different situations. Let me think. The I'm gonna say D'Angelo. The, yeah, D'Angelo. Um, when he gives the uh speech where he's like I'm carrying my, this. my grandpa. Yeah. My grandpa was uh Oh yeah, was in the Butch, game. whatever, yes, yes, yes. I, I don't remember. Yeah, my uncle was in this. My dad was in this too. Mm-hmm. You go up around this every day and it surrounds you and it chokes you bef- until some one day you don't know what re- breathing regular feels like. Oh, that that that, that scene is just it's, it's incredible. Or I give bunk for the speech he gives to Omar. What about uh, this is a very short scene, but given the buildup and everything that went into it, remember when Randy when uh, they they firebombed his house and and his uh, you know yes. foster mom remember when Carver when, when Carver comes up he's like oh man I got and then we remember Randy you got me right you like that entire exchange Oof. that where where Carver is just getting undressed by this front understandably frustrated kid like just totally you know uh dressed down that scene right there the the and then carver goes into his car and just loses it starts slamming the steering wheel right yeah it's one of the few times you see a character become totally unhinged like that and just rightfully so it's a you know yeah yeah no i think i can't think um, mcnulty doesn't really have any like standout acting scenes i'd say right not nothing like where it's like oh okay well you did Mm -hmm. that you know, yeah. he's great. And he's great. In he's he's incredible. You know, Don, uh, Dominic West, I think his name is, is great in mm-hmm. the role. But yeah, British guy. Same yeah. like a. I mean, half the damn show. <laughs> <laughs> if they were from straight from Baltimore, they were they were British. Nah. Um, Another character, uh, Snoop, and we talked about the scene on Twitter a little bit. That the beginning of season four, when they have her <laughs> buying the the nail gun, the uh, the nail gun. And and she just hands the guy eight hundred dollars. You were in that like motherfucker. <laughs> that's that like so good. <laughs> he said Lexus. He didn't know better, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when she gets back into the car. Oh man! All right. Snoop was from Baltimore, right? She was one of the characters. Yeah, no, like, no, actually... she's one hundred percent from there. Yeah, I think I, I'm gonna look this up. So fill up for a second. Felicia but... Pearson. Yeah, I think she got sent back to. She did. She had some trouble, but I think she's out again. She did. Oh, she is? Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah, I, be- I believe she's out. I, I've act- I actually saw her in a, a special last year. I don't remember whether it was on Vice or where it was, but they were doing like some interviews and whatnot. All right, let's get to these last couple um, last couple deals, uh, and then I'll you know, give a quick wrap-up of how everything went. Let me get your bang-for-your-buck character, a character that wasn't a key figure but always brought it uh, when they had screen time. 
Like whether it's a six-man type or something of that ilk. I'm going to go with two that were always together, Spiros and the Greek. Okay. Those two, especially the Greek, an incredibly menacing character, right? When he's just... And and, and menacing in a totally different way than a guy like Avon was. In Mm -hmm. that, the Greek didn't need to yell or shout ever. He would just say something very quietly, and a guy would end up dead. And, and, you know, like when uh, I think... Sergey says, did he have hands? Did he have a face? It was not us. Yep. But yeah, so any of those three guys from season two, which by the way, if you're someone who hasn't rewatched season two because you think it was bad, I felt the same way. Then I rewatched it. It's incredible. It's not, it's, it's the second worst season, but it's, that's still saying something because it's incredible. Yeah, um, season five is the worst season. I'm sorry. Um, season yeah, two is, I hate it. it. And and I and I actually still enjoyed it because I love the Gus character, who's not going to get a mention, but I'm just going to mention him now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, season two is probably one of the more pivotal. I know you know everybody loves season you know three and four for great reason. But if you go back and watch, yeah, you know, I agree with you. If you go back and watch it, a lot of different storylines are introduced, are developed, and are you know built out. Uh, throughout season two i get it it was a it was such a tremendous change up like all of a sudden because i'm not gonna lie to you i i started watching the show a couple years in and i was binging it you know uh, hold on with dvds not blu-rays but dvds wait what 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 are those exactly um (laughs) and uh yeah uh, so when i got to put you when i got to that part in season when i got to season two i was like yo who the hell what huh who the white guys yeah that, that was my actual response but if you go and look, it's a great season. Those characters are great, and they play you know like significant roles, and some of them even come up later on, and uh, you know, all, all throughout you know the entire. Basically, season two is really where you know where the wire you know starts you know starts to round into shape. So it's where know. they lay like the little like threads for seasons yep. three and four, especially especially the stuff that it goes down at the end of season three. Also, season five is still, I I said I hate it, and I hate it because it's the only show that's specifically about journalism, and it's not as good as the other seasons, but Mm -hmm. it's still better than 95% of TV that's out there. Also, re-elect Frank Sabatka for uh, Union Head. Frank Sabatka, (laughs) always one of my favorite characters. Uh, It's funny because I I would like, okay, listen to Way Down in the Hole. Listen to that. Listen to that podcast. I'd like. Mm-hmm. I'm. We're on our show, and I'm talking about another show. But because it because they do such a good job breaking it down, I think you may see uh, Frank Sabaka in a different light. Because they in pointed a better some stuff or worse. Out. No, worse. They pointed some stuff oh. out where I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's right. He's got a lot of flaws, and to be honest with mm-hmm. you, a lot of the times where I felt sorry for him, uh, they were. It was actually his own doing. That okay. caused, you know, that caused the issues. But either way, great character. The, you know, the actor did a good, you know, great job with it. Um, you know, Ziggy, you know that, I think uh, that actor was, I think at some point, that actor or James Gandolfini, I don't remember which one, was in consideration to play Jimmy McNulty at one point, I think. So. I think Gandolfini was, uh, I, think, I think. Was it Gandolfini? Yeah, I think it was. I could be wrong. Actually, no, that wouldn't make sense because they were already, you know, they were right in the middle of the Sopranos. They were, like, at that time. Um, I, yeah, and maybe they were going to do a, a double situation, which would be kind of crazy, but yeah. All right, so uh, just quickly, my sick, you know, my bang for buck, uh, I had two as well. Slim Charles, for all of the reasons that Slim Charles uh, oh, okay. he was barely on the barely on the screen ever, uh, but every single time he was there, you heard it and you felt it. Like you know, whether it was the delivery, the voice, uh, you know, just what he was saying. Yeah, that, that that's that guy for me. And Cuddy, 
Because Cuddy, you know, he's not going to get a lot of love, but he's another one of those guys that, again, terrible past, had done some very terrible things, you know, shot a man on Pensy and Gold and called the cops to come get him. Uh, but he actually grew and actually developed as a person and recognized, yeah, and he even says, the game ain't in me anymore. Like, mm-hmm. that's not in me. And changed his life for the better and went into and went into the community to, to, to you know, make it up, make, give kids from the community better situations, better opportunities. So he's not going to get all the love in the world, but he kind of deserves it. Yeah. Right. What about I, you? Uh, the, the guy who was, uh, I, it, was, it wasn't it was either of those two guys, but it was actually John C. Riley that was initially slated to play <sighs> McNulty, which makes That's no sense. so interesting. Why? I mean, Imagine I, know, trying- I know they probably just wanted a bigger name, but yikes. Like you're, you're trying to get like a suave guy, and it's John C. Riley. In fairness, no, John, John C. Riley, Riley probably would have done a good job. It just wouldn't be what we know as McNulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, uh, Slim Charles. Slim Charles to me, it's it's partly because of the way they speak, and it's also because of the straight backs. He always reminds me of Pusha T, right? And it's it's a comparison I've seen other people put out there as well. Just in that. You know, it, it's like a very like measured way of speaking, right? That you see in Pusha T's rap. So that's something I always saw. I, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Can absolutely see that. And you know what? Shout out to him for uh, getting back at cheese at the end. Oh, All yeah. right, let me get your most hated character because this is actually going to be related to uh, why I said that. Ziggy. Oh, the man. worst. The worst. <laughs> so annoying. Oh so, my god. So. The show that I told that I recommended, it changed my mind on him. Really? I, look, I I have always been, if I ever even see that actor, I'm going to punch his <laughs> ass. And I'm not joking with you. It If you go back and watch with a, you know, with, with a different set of glasses on, you know, look through a different, you know, do, do some different lenses. Um, you, you may see him, like I said, you'll see him as more sympathetic and Frank as far less sympathetic because actually the reason why Ziggy is the way he is is because of Frank. Hmm. Because he okay. doesn't support him. Because he, like, um, anyhow, it, it, it's a longer story, a much more in-depth conversation. But yeah, most hated character is Ziggy. I'm not mad at that. Um, mm-hmm. Because even though I feel for him and I recognize, like, what led to him being the way he is, he was by far the most annoying being on screen, probably the entire show, but definitely in season two. I mean, I feel bad for him, too. Like, after he kills the guy... Or both guys. No, he kills one guy and yeah. then injures the other. And then he's crying in his car. That's a very sad and like genuinely touching scene along with the scene where he's walking with Frank along the uh, riverbanks. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. At the same time, he's incredibly annoying. And yeah. you almost want to skip all of season two just because you have to hear his voice. <laughs> all of his little declarations, all the moments in the bar, all of that. The bar. Yeah, I get it. The, 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 bringing the duck around. Oh, man, you, you, you duck can't drink for shit. Can't hold it. <laughs> All right. My most hated character, and just to be clear, this is a love-to-hate situation. Marlo. Because Marlo ah. Stanfield is the shit. Marlo Stanfield, he should, <laughs> like, I'll be honest, he should have been in my top five. Again, I had to, sp- I had to split some of these guys out because it just, you know, like I couldn't have a top eight and a half. Um, the scene where... It comes to it all comes to a head, literally and figuratively, with Prop Joe, will always oh. go down as one of the more painful scenes for me, 
But Marlo, man, Jamie Hector, and shout out to him. He he did his thing in that role. The like the, the just straight coldness, like when he like when tell him like, oh no, don't worry about it, Joe. Like like, like and he looks him in the eyes as he has Chris Partlow dome him. Just mm-hmm. just uh, yeah, yeah. But um, you I treated you like a son. I, I wasn't made to play that role. However oh. he said it, I wasn't made to be a son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, or and the or fact, when he's with the security guard and he says you want it to be one way, but it's going to be another. No, nah, but it's oh, the other. Yeah. He's, he oh, is, man. like, ruthless. Man, look, every scene that he's in, I'm going to be honest, he steals. And he doesn't mm-hmm. steal it because, I mean, he, like, yeah, obviously. But go back and watch every scene that Marlo's in. There's not a single scene where someone got the better of him. There may be scenes where someone would matched his energy or was right there with him. But nobody got the better of him, and and maybe that's you know maybe that was the point because you know the, the you know my name is my name you know you know his rep was everything maybe that was the point that Simon was trying to do or maybe Jamie Hector just did that phenomenal of a job but yeah Marlo is such an incredible character um, he's probably one of my favorite villains of all time you know like in a TV show mm-hmm. um, you know full disclosure I I grew up rooting for the villain so <laughs> it's it's easy it's easy you know it's it's an easy transition for me to uh, appreciate some of these you know terrible terrible characters and figures in the wire uh but yeah who at their peak was scarier avon or marlo 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 yeah i don't think it's close either it's not it's not close look uh remember how avon was uh yeah how you know like how they were when the cop got shot like it was it was all scared everybody like oh no 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 you know mm-hmm. like, what the hell are you doing you're messing up marlo wouldn't have had any problem whatsoever mm-hmm. wouldn't have even hesitated marlo's first scene remember it's when Bubbles and Johnny yeah. <laughs> accidentally, you know, uh, uh, hit the car with the thing, uh, you know, with the shopping cart. And the guy is sitting there, like, you know, yelling at him with his gun out. Marlo's first line, do it or don't, I got some place to be. Like, <laughs> like literally, Jesus. one of the cold. that's one of the coldest opening lines ever. When, when uh, Bodie's, you know, talking to Marlo for the first time. And Marlo's just swinging a golf club, right? And he's not yes. swinging a golf club like he would swing a golf club. He's swinging a golf club like you were if you were going to golf some dude's head off. Yeah. Not even looking at him. Not even making eye contact. Not even, oh, like, bothering just, to stop what he's doing. Like, yes. he, he treats Bodhi like he's something on his shoe. And it's what makes Bodhi's end kind of, like, a little less hard to think about in a way. Because he's an equal with Marlo at that point. Well, I mean, not in the game, but yeah, like not in the game, but like in the way that we see him. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, by by that stage, it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you've done mm-hmm. your dirt, Bodie, and like yep. this was always going to be your ending. All right, this has been a lot of fun. Let me get your top five again, and I'm, I'm gonna run down the rest. Sure, my honorable mention was Bodie slash Prez. Five was Jimmy. Four was Bubbles. Three was Avon. Two was Bunk, and one was Omar. Okay, and for Josh, his honorable mention was Bubbles. Five was Bodie, four was Stringer, three was McNulty, him, uh, or himself, <laughs> two was The Bunk, one was Omar. For the audience, Avon was honorable mention, Stringer was number five, hmm. uh, The Bunk was number four, Bubbles was number three, Bodie was number two, Omar was number one, of course. For me, my honorable mentions, hold on, I lost my place in the situation, honorable mentions, Weebay, Mike, um, excuse me, and Daniels. Let's see. My top five, and of course, 
I should just remember, but you know I'm not going to. Uh, five, <laughs> no, five was Bunny. Uh, four was Lester Freeman. Three was Bodie. Two was Bubbles. One was Omar. So, a lot of good times, a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining me today, Varun. You stepped Thank in. Thank you so much, guys. Stepped up right. And for the listeners out there, again, we always appreciate all of your feedback. We appreciate all of these listens. We appreciate the way that you guys engage with us on the timeline. Once again, that's at Dunk's Discourse for the show. At Josh Eberly for Josh, of course. At Jabari Davis NBA for myself, Varun. Uh, at by Varun Shankar for me. If you guys want, I talk about sports, music, movies, all of the above politics sometimes on my newsletter that's 808 and bold takes.substack.com you can find the link in my bio at twitter that's at by varun shankar b-y-v-a-r-u-n-s-h-a-n-k-a-r thanks so much guys sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans. In a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.